WBEZ Features is supported by Adler University, educating students to advance socially responsible practice, healthy communities, and a more just society. With degrees in psychology, counseling, public policy, and leadership. Adler.edu. In Chicago, the highest number of COVID-19 deaths are in Black and Latino communities. Racism, pre-existing health conditions, overcrowding, and language access are all contributing factors. WBEZ interviewed relatives of 50 COVID-19 victims. All week, we're bringing you stories from communities with the highest death rates. Natalie Moore starts us off in the majority Black zip code 60649. In mid-April... Jillian Woodbury went to the emergency room for a urinary tract infection. The 32-year-old lived in the South Shore neighborhood at Rainbow Beach Care Center, a nursing home for people with mental disabilities. Staff took Jillian to the nearby South Shore Hospital to treat her infection. First, she tested positive for coronavirus. All seemed well. We talked late Thursday, all day Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and one time Monday. But Jillian didn't call on Tuesday, says Patricia Woodbury. She's Jillian's aunt and guardian. Patricia called the hospital and was told her niece was on a cooling pad to bring her temperature down and a nurse would get back to her. No one did, so Patricia called before she went to bed and again was told a nurse would get back to her. One finally did in the wee hours of the morning. The next thing, the phone rang at 3 o'clock and they said she had took a turn for the worse. And I lived down the street from the hospital, so I was down there in 15 minutes. When Patricia arrived at South Shore Hospital, Jillian had died. She was not in the intensive care unit and had not been placed on a ventilator. My assumption is that she must have passed away in her sleep because she was just had a smile on her face and, you know, laying in the bed. WBEC analyzed COVID-19 deaths recorded by the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office. From March to May, during the peak of the pandemic, 60649 was the zip code with the highest number of deaths. Two-thirds of the hospital deaths were in neighborhood safety net hospitals that have fewer resources. Some avoided going altogether, with one man choosing to call an Uber to go to a suburban hospital with more resources. All had an underlying condition or disease, such as high blood pressure or diabetes. About two-thirds of the respondents said their relatives had some form of government insurance. Jillian Woodbury wasn't supposed to live past nine years old. As a baby, she had an aneurysm. She endured many surgeries over the years and developed learning disabilities along with schizophrenia. In Jillian's 20s, she was diagnosed with obesity and diabetes. Even understanding the health challenges Jillian faced over the years, her family is troubled by her death and how they were kept in the dark initially. My biggest issue was that the lack of communication between the hospital and the nursing home. When you test positive, why why aren't you calling back to the family? as opposed to you call back to the facility. But then even with the facility, you don't notify the family. Jillian's sister, Judith, also has developmental challenges and lives in a nursing facility in the South Suburbs. And she, too, was infected with the coronavirus. On the same day that Judith tested positive, she also found out about her sister's death. 
tell me what you're going to miss about your sister. All the fun stuff we did together and all the hugs and she was a good person. It's not going to be the same without her. I'm sorry. It's okay. No need to apologize. Jillian laughed a lot and toted a toothbrush in her purse wherever she went, proud of her pearly smile. Patricia's daughter, Nicole Marshall, used to babysit Judith and Jillian when they were little. Today, Nicole is married in Ohio with children, and Jillian loved to play with them. This is the last voicemail Jillian left her big cousin. Hi, Nikki. This is Jill. Calling the coffee to check on you and the kids and Kenny. The whole of not having Jillian around is amplified by the inadequate hospital care Nicole thinks her cousin received. While it technically isn't an issue of race because the majority of of families that end up going there are Black, and in the minds of some, that means you're disposable. Jillian's story is not a proxy for how all African-Americans died of COVID-19. But her family's experience with the nursing home and safety net hospital resonates. Some of that is systemic, um, not individual. She ultimately became a a casualty of that uh, systemic disregard. Monica Peak is a doctor at the University of Chicago who teaches and sees patients and researches racial health disparities. There is no better perfect storm for pandemics sort of sweeping through our very segregated city based on race and class. Peek says there's a COVID-19 risk based on place and the individual. Although all Black people don't live in Black communities, all Black people are still Black. We're still um, at risk for the effects of racism and how that puts us at increased risk for chronic diseases. Philip Thomas was an essential worker at Walmart. Every day, he took the bus from South Shore to his job in suburban Evergreen Park. He lived alone in a studio apartment. In this Facebook video, the 48-year-old is being silly and juking to house music. In March, Thomas didn't feel well and stayed home from work, says his sister, Angela McMiller. The doctor told him to self-quarantine himself, which I'm super upset about that because my brother was a diabetic. Thomas went to Jackson Park Hospital when his symptoms didn't improve after about five days. He was vomiting and had trouble standing. So he didn't know at that time that he had the virus. He didn't find out he had the virus until uh, the next day after he was admitted to the hospital. The last thing McMiller said to her brother was, you're going to be okay. Days later, Thomas's heart stopped. Natalie Moore, WBEZ News.